Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, this is a former teammate of mine, Eric Winston. He's originally from Midland, Texas, where he won three 5A state championships in high school. From there, he became a Miami Hurricane tight end for like a year before he went to offensive line. Uh, And then he was drafted by the Houston Texans in 2006 to play offensive tackle. He'd go on to play 12 years in the NFL. And very, very notably, especially these last couple of years, uh, finished out his last few years in the league as president of the NFL Players Association. Eric, my old, my my guy who was a rookie in the last year of my league, of, of my year in the league, my last year of my le- stay in the league. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, bud. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I You're looking spelt. I'm trying. I uh, This pandemic was harsh on me. And oh, was, my God. It's been the worst. Talk about regressing. Uh, yeah. You know, I got down to... You know, I played like 305, 310, mostly closer to 310 probably. I played for most of my career. I probably got down to 275. Oh, wow. And then, and then like, you know, from the pandemic, I'm, I got to be, I, I don't, I'm one of those people I do not weigh in. I don't have a scale. I don't care. I mean, I, I'm not obsessive about it. And so I don't, I don't know what I weigh to be honest yeah. with you right now, but it can't be 275. <laughs> you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of suits because you were the NFL PA president. Yeah. So you can tell, and you're, you're working in a job now where I'm guessing the, the, at one team over there, you guys have to wear suits a certain amount of time, right? So the suit, the suit. Keeps I, I the have, I mean, you. listen, I've worn more, more mesh shorts like in the last eight months than I have probably in the last, like, since I got done playing. Right. So yeah. it's, it's all this, right. It's all. It's all uh, on the phone, on Zooms, especially. I mean, I, I told somebody if you could get coronavirus from Zooms, I, I would have it twenty-five times by now. So <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. It, it's it's a lot of this for right now. I mean, is there in the future probably some suit game coming up? Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, you're right. The the tuxedo, like if you ever get a tuxedo, it's like it, it holds you accountable, right? Because you only wear like if you ever get your own tuxedo, you only wear it like once or twice a year. But like you better, you better got it right. And I, I actually purposely waited. So I waited when I got done playing. I was finally like done, done. And you know how that goes. I was like, okay, I'm not buying any clothes until I get down to where I think I, I want to be. Did you throw and, on and all I, the other ones? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I ditched the other ones, and I didn't want to kind of buy on my way down because that didn't make any sense. And I'm, you know, way too cheap for that as well. So. Um, 
and, and I, you know, I like the light. I'm not like bragging, but I, I don't feel like I had it even at 300. I didn't have like a lot of excess weight. Like I was just going to like drop it. You know, some guys can just like get rid of it. Like I wasn't eating rice bowls at 9 p.m. to stay at 310, right? It was, that was like a pretty easy weight for me to be at. I was just kind of blessed with the, with the, with the frame to carry it. So like the first, you know, how it is like the first 10, 15 pounds weren't like, weren't hard. Right. Yeah. But then like getting down to like the 275 mark, I mean, heck as a, as a high school senior, I was 265. So it wasn't like, and You're I didn't tight even end. That a much, huge right? tight end. Right. Yeah. 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 So I didn't even lift that much. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, I had, Oh, you know, you know, I was 18 years old, you were 230. Like, no, that wasn't, that was never been me. So like when I got to about 280, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some nice clothes and got, you know, got the tailored stuff. I, I mean, and that's not even a sign of anything else other than I can't buy anything off the rack. Um, so I got some stuff. So yeah, I haven't put it on recently. So you're right. It'd be like, instead of getting on a scale, maybe it's just worth trying to go throw on a couple of those collared shirts and see how they fit. <laughs> well, you, you lull yourself into thinking it's going to be easier because if you're a guy that's like, if you, like, if you play at 310, but you can easily get down to 290, like even in the off yeah. season, sometimes yeah, yeah, after yeah, a surgery, sure. you lull yourself into thinking, well, what's, what's 10 or 20 more pounds after yeah, that? Right? No, it's, yeah, that, that's the hard part. It's only taken me 13 years. So <laughs> before I finally figured out like, oh, how to get down below that, that plateau. The last time I saw you in person, I think it was at the Super Bowl in San Francisco where we were oh, at a function. It was for the Houston Super Bowl committee. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Houston Super Bowl committee. God, and, that was the last time we've seen each other in person. Yeah, and, and you have to thank your wife, Jenny, who's awesome, because that was the moment where I realized, okay, Eric, who was just this rookie, you know, when I first knew him, and I was this grizzled old vet that, you know, hated That's the right. league and hated coaches and everything. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're, we're at this fancy function, and I, I was a mess. I'd been, I'd been having a day of it. Like, since I got off the air at, what, 8 a.m. Pacific time, <laughs> I've been having a day of it. And I remember just thinking, wow. Eric is so responsible. <laughs> he's, he's schmoozing with all these people and rubbing elbows and everything. And I latched onto Jenny because I was so lost and That's I didn't want to make so a fool funny. out of myself God, and find all these fancy people. Yeah. So Jenny I, said, saved I told me. her today. I told her too. I was like, I, I'm gonna, I'm doing a thing with uh, with Seth today, and I was like, you remember Seth, right? She goes, how could I forget? And oh, so no. I got to bring that up to her and see if that's what she meant. Was I, that I a, was that a how could I forget? Like a, with a wistful look in her eye, or like <laughs> yeah. like oh god, <laughs> it was. I I can't. I was a mess. So I, I thank her for that. Um, but then, it, but it got me to thinking, like you lived in this world where. You're an offensive lineman, you know, and I know you did very well in college. You were, you know, you were serious about your studies and whatnot. But, you know, playing football is a blue-collar job. Yeah. And you you become the team player rep and then eventually the NFL PA president. And was there ever a moment where you felt a little bit like I did in that meeting room where, like, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome where you're wearing a suit and you're around all these Harvard-trained lawyers that are working for the NFL? Make it till you make it, man. It is. Uh, I totally, I totally agree with you. And one thing I did, I, I went back to school when I, um, when I got done playing, not necessarily for the PA job or for anything else. It, it was specifically because that, like, I did kind of sometimes just like feel like, like I know the words you're saying, but I don't necessarily know what they like, uh, uh, like what they mean on the level that you're saying them. On, right. right. You know? And so, like, of course I knew, oh, well, you know, the, the free cash flow here and then or on like, you know, when we we're talking about even in some of the and this gets kind of a little out there, but 
even on the helmet, like uh, safety committees, when the engineers would come in and start talking about statistical differences, you know, I, I, I did the math classes, I did some of those, but I didn't know, know what they meant. And, and, and that was like, I always kind of wanted to go back to business school when I was done playing, um, just because I've always been interested in it, always been interested in, in, in that. But at the same time, like, I, it was even more of a pull in being in some of those rooms while I was playing to go back to school because of that feeling of, okay, you, you need to know this stuff on a much deeper level. And as, and as you know, too, we spent the, the formative years of our lives playing football, which was, which was great and a lot of fun, but it doesn't teach you how to read cash flow statements. It doesn't teach you how to like analyze legal documents. Right. So, you know, I, I just felt like there was a pull after I was done to go do that. But it, but you hit the nail on the head. A lot of it came from, okay, like I need to lawyer up and I need to make sure our guys know what they're doing. And they did, they were great. But at the same time, you kind of look around and you're like, man, is, am I the only one that doesn't know really exactly <laughs> what's being said? And, and that, that, I tell you what, man, though, that led just with the responsibility that led to a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of pouring over documents and pulling junior lawyers aside or pulling other um uh just other other business folks aside and, and luckily enough just kind of showing showing your scars in the sense of like hey i don't know this but can you teach me and i was lucky enough to be around some folks that really spent a lot of time with me um and 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 so i learned a lot you know yeah. like i always tell people i'm not a labor lawyer but I did feel like I stayed out of Holiday Inn Express sometimes because, you know, I got into it so deeply and, and, and I just felt like that was the responsibility and that was the role that, um, that, that, you know, the, the guys asked me to do. So uh, on those levels, yeah, you're, but you're totally right. At the very beginning, it was a total imposter syndrome and, and it was a really weird and awkward feeling. Did you feel like when you're in that role, the other side I, I thought of with you is whenever I would hear you do an interview, it was always, you know, is an NFLPA president, at least the last few years of your career. And I, and I could sense the shift in tone that you had to take in, in the media. Like you, mm -hmm. you really become constrained by that role. Yes. Don't you? Oh my God. So yeah, like you just had to like squelch certain parts of your personality. Oh my, Oh, it, without a doubt. You know, it was, uh, gosh, you, you, I think you, you've read this one probably better than anybody I've, I've been around, um, doing, doing interviews or doing any of these talks from how I felt when I was the PA president, you know, I went from sort of a, you know, you, you got, you probably heard it a little bit when I was on air before necessarily before PA president or whatever. And, you know, kind of just let it fly. Right. Like whatever, like, well, just let it fly. It's fun. No one's really listening and no one's listening that hard. And I got such a rude awakening, like probably three months in, I did a radio interview. It might've been in Houston or somewhere. And I kind of just ran my mouth about nothing like super important, but it was something, it was some CBA related issue. And, and it was kind of just flying off the cuff, not, you know, almost like ideating on like, you know, stream of consciousness, not thinking about it. And PFT, like NFLPA <laughs> is willing to do whatever. And I was like, and that was the moment where I said, oh, okay, I got it. Right. I can't do that anymore. Like yeah. I can't be that I can't go on air and even even give the appearance that my you know whether it was taken out of context or not and I'm not even saying it was but that was when I it was sort of that rude awakening of oh you're speaking for everybody now right and, right. and you're not speaking for yourself and that was one of the big things 
I passed on to JC immediately was like, listen, man, like you are no longer speaking for yourself. Like whatever your opinions might be like, that is, it doesn't matter anymore. Like you, you, you will, it will be, it's not JC Treader thinks it's NFLPA thinks that's it. Right. And they don't care. And that doesn't, and it's, so what's weird is that doesn't apply to the executive committee members. Right. You know, and those are guys are still have a ton of pool. Richard Sherman's of the world, the Ben Watson's of the world. But no, they, the media never carries it as when they speak NFL. It's just like, hey, Richard Sherman thinks whatever or Ben Watson thinks whatever. But when I spoke, I learned it right away. NFLPA thinks and man, it was it was that was like, OK, you're not in Kansas anymore. Like, you yeah, gotta, you got to grow up. Was it? And then the other part that I when I try to put myself in your position is when you take on that role and you have those responsibilities and you know, you, you took over right when Ray Rice was happening, right. Within a few months of, of you. Getting Dude, it was- <laughs> and what is it? How do you, how do you separate like the legal posturing and like the actual anger you have when the person mm-hmm. across the table from you, you believe uh-huh. is just flat out. And I'm not right. saying anybody was being dishonest about anything, but, um, there's like what you have to say publicly about things. Like how often is it posturing versus sometimes you're just genuinely angry and you got to keep it civil in your, in your public discourse. A hundred percent. And that was, you know, and, and I, I think I tried to toe the line and not be dishonest with myself though at the same time. Right. And that was the hard part was like, I'm not going to be dishonest with myself. And I think, you know, when I started off, we were just, you know, we, we were just on the edge of like, and this goes back to like way back, right? I mean, this is like, nobody remembers this was, you know, HGH and the whole new testing regime. And we, we were finishing that off. And you're right, Ray Rice, Hardy, all those things come down the line. And it was just like, holy cow, like, this is, this is it, right? And it was all of these, these labor issues. And, 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 and I think I really separated it from, okay, my personal issues could be X, right? Or, or my personal views could be X, but like, what is, what does the CBA say? Right. And, and that we have to almost, because of the way the league postured for so long, we have to live in a world in which, you know, they'll, they'll, they might come down with a judgment on one guy, but then they'll just extrapolate it to everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you let one thing go and then, and then they're saying, well, if they're not going to enforce the CBA on discipline, well, maybe they won't enforce the CBA on the revenue collection. And we saw that with wave gate, right? Right. When Jacksonville happened in the wave gate thing. So it, that's the way I kind of learned to understand it and think about it was, Hey, this guy needs to, you know, if if the court system needs to deal with this person in a certain way, that's not our problem, right? Mm -hmm. What does the CBA say, right? And and how, and what was bargained out? And if, and if it's, and if they can do that under the CBA, then they can do that. And if they can't, they can't, but there's no, there's no, you know, the the NFL, the NFL, I, I still believe this shouldn't be a justice arm, right? Like it's not a, it's not an arm for justice. It's just a, it's a league, right? And they have rules. And if the rules apply in that situation, then they apply in that situation. So I started separating it out from there and, and it took a while, but I realized how quickly the NFL would take liberties in other places if you weren't almost militant about each one of them. And that's where it kind of drove me to like say, no, 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 the legal system will take care of this, right? You're not the legal system. And that our CBA doesn't say this. And and, and I know that's hard for a lot of people. And I think fans and and that 
because when I heard them, you know, either coming after me or coming after NFLPA, or you shouldn't be representing them. I said, we're not representing him in the, in, in the legal proceedings, right? You know, we, we got him a lawyer or, or gave him our two cents on who he should represent, but we're just saying the CBA doesn't say this, right? Or the CBA says this. So you can't do that. And that was it, right? And, and, if, and, if, and, if, and if you want a, you want the CBA to say something else, that's fine. Let's talk about it. But that, I mean, you have to almost, with people across the table that will, you know, you know drive a stake into any, any, any crack, you can't, you can't not take those routes. Because if you don't, then again, it's just going to be a hammer after every time that you're not willing to enforce. So you have to stay vigilant all the time. And that's what I, I, and and you have to, and you can't get lost in the nuance, right? Well, well, this time's different because this guy did a bad thing, right? You can't get lost in that because every time's going to have a nuance to it, right? And if you don't stay black and white to the, to the, to the agreement that you sign, then you're never, then you're just going to get lost in these, these nuances. You're going to get lost in this neverland where with the other side that has a hundred lawyers, that's just going to keep coming after you. You know what? Eric, you just did a great thing there. I think I I better understand what it feels like to be a defense attorney right now than maybe <laughs> I ever have in my entire life. And you're not an attorney, but because you've been through that, you understand like, okay, you have to protect rights for these reasons. That's where that's where like the ACLU and the NRA are strange bedfellows in some respects. Because they both, like the reason, you know, the NRA back in the day uh, in the 60s was on its way to becoming just mostly like a, uh, like a sportsman's publication. Right. And but when when some Black Panthers were carrying arms publicly in California and the government stepped in to stop them, the NRA was sitting around and said, Well, hold on a second. Right. This this uh you right. know, if you come for them, are you gonna come for us? Likewise, the same way an ACLU <laughs> might might represent a Klansman or something. It's all about protecting those yeah. rights. So weird, um, weird how a couple of those organizations have changed these days now. Yeah, I'm gonna pub- I'm gonna link you to both those organizations and, um, and very publicly, and just so you can get so you can get it from all sides after this, Eric. You're not the president anymore. You can't. Uh, That's you right. <laughs> That's right. The the uh, the ads on Twitter have definitely decreased. Thank God. <laughs> what um I have to ask you this before I let you go because one of our one of our listeners and one of my friends is a is a huge offensive line nut. Um, I told him I'd ask you about Alex Gibbs Senior when he coached you for two years and what. I guess just what are your memories of, of playing for Alex Gibbs? I, you know, it's so funny when it, I think he came in after my second year yeah. and I had, a, I had had a good a second year uh, in the league. You know, we went eight and eight, you know, we, we started the string of eight and eights there. Um, and, and it, it, you know, and, and John Benton had been the offensive line coach that year and, and we played pretty well up front. I mean, we, we got solidified. Like I had come in. Um, I think we had, uh, we hadn't got, I think that was still a year. I think maybe Seth McKinney or Steve McKinney played center, but Fred Weary was playing right guard. Chester, you know, we had like a good nucleus. Ephraim played left tackle that year. And we had a good, I mean, you know, it was obviously Ephraim was kind of getting towards the end a little bit there, but it, you know, we had a good nucleus of guys and we played pretty well up front. Like we played well in offense. It was Matt Schaub's first year. You know, we had done some good things. And then, you know, in the offseason, it breaks like, you know, Texans bringing Alex Gibbs. And my first thought was like, that's kind of crappy to John Benton, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're bringing in a guy over him again, again, because people forget John Benton was hired at the very beginning in 06. And then when Mike Sherman was fired, they brought him in on top of him again. 
So oh, okay. people forget that whole chain. Like yeah. John Benton was supposed to be the offensive line coach. And if you look back in 06, John Benton was the head offensive line coach, but Mike Sherman was like the assistant head coach. And he was like, well, I coach offensive line. So I'm going to the offensive line room. And John just had to like sit there and kind of take it. <laughs> yeah. Mike goes to offensive coordinator. John in 07 gets the coach to offensive line. We did well. And then he, they bring in somebody on top of him again to do that right so i always kind of at first my hall is like that's kind of crappy to john but then number two you know you hear all the stories from the old denver guys because there was always that link right there was always that denver link early on and so you'd always hear the stories from them and then i knew a guy that i think he was in atlanta before that before he came to houston and they were like i hate him i hate the guy i don't want you know if i ever see him again i'll kill him you know that kind of stuff yeah and so i was expecting like all right this is gonna suck right I ended up loving Alex. I, I thought he was awesome. He wasn't a technical coach. He didn't teach like get your hand inside here and make sure it was it was none of that. It, but it was it, it, the the he taught the game and offensive line in such a um, in such a way in which you saw the big picture. Right. I always I always said as a rookie you see the game like this. Right. You you almost shade your eyes and you only can see right in front of you. And then as you get better you know, the world kind of opens up and you can see 180, right? You can see kind of all the way around. And he forced you to learn the game in a 180 view, right? It wasn't what what are you doing? It's what's the defense doing? How are the safeties rotated? What are you going to get? And then how are us five going to block the most important five on their side, right? And so you learn the game that way. So he was a great teacher. Like he was one of those, and I always look back and say the best coaches I had probably could have gone and taught subjects in school and being been a really good teacher right yeah. because that's really what it is people forget it's yes there is some uh there is some parts of it where it's discipline and accountability and there is some parts of it where you got to get the guys going but the core function of these coaches still whether whether you're in peewee or whether you're in the nfl is to teach right how do you get guys to absorb the information like joe marciano's dumb sayings used to know but i i, I still remember it. you got to know and know you know Right. And so when you're out there, you have to know and know, you know, and Alex was really good about getting us to know and know, we know, and not your position, but like everything. Right. So you, you knew what everybody was doing. You knew how we were blocking these fronts and when you're supposed to do whatever. Right. And then on top of that, he, him and I just, I think, I, I don't know if it was from being from West Texas and just being used to the yelling and the, you know, the, the sort of over the top personality, Um, but him and I kind of hit it off, I think a little bit too. And we didn't hit it off as like, we were buddies. Like he, he knew what buttons to push with me and, 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 but I liked someone pushing those buttons and I thought I played my best with him. Mm -hmm. I really did. I thought, I, I thought some, I look back in some parts of my career and, and especially in that system, I just thought I was well-suited, but for Alex, especially Alex just kind of illuminated what. I think I could do on the NFL level. And even after he left, I still played, I think really well, because I took a lot of the things that he did. And quite frankly, I even think, you know, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I think John Benton um, became a really good coach from him because I, even when he left, John, I think took some things that he was doing, right? Like any good pupil, take the good things that you think are good, leave the bad things and kind of sprinkle in your own stuff. And what John's doing in San Francisco, what we, you know, you see that sort of maturation. So for all of us, it was a learning experience, but I really, really liked Alex Gibbs. He's a lunatic, uh, <laughs> but 
He, I mean, when you're telling you're telling Andre Johnson like you better get in there and go block somebody, yeah. like it was it, nobody was safe, right? And that was sort of the thing. As and, and some guys yell, and you know it's not real. When he yelled, you didn't mind it because you knew it was like that's just Alex. Like he's gonna scream at everybody, right? He he would yell at Shab for not carrying out the fake hard enough, right? Nobody was safe, right? Yeah, nobody was safe. Nobody, but it but it wasn't a. It wasn't a, why is this guy screaming at me? It was like, well, that's just the way he talks, right? Like he, he doesn't know any other way. And, and he had that sort of uh, fatherly kind of, uh, not love, but just like he protected his guys, right? Yeah. And, and even though he was the hardest on his guys, like he protected his guys, right? Like protected them. And, and, and I always respected that. I always really liked the guy. And I, I think I benefited so much from having him. So while there's a, a ton of opinions in the NFL world about Alex, like you're going to hear probably really good ones from me because I think he benefited my career pretty greatly. Well, that's why I, I always try to take any report about any coach with a grain of salt because it's amazing how different different players can feel about a player, uh, a coach. And mm -hmm. especially when it comes down to that, some kids – some I say kids, like I'm thinking of high school kids, but some people are just hardwired almost to just be more impervious to being coached hard, you know. Yeah, and, and, and he was a he was a he was a you know how you always hear the thing about Jimmy Johnson was a really good psychologist, right? Yeah. With guys, Alex was like that, but he'd miss sometimes, right? Like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that he got it a hundred percent right. Yeah. And so I think the guys that are that didn't like him. And I think, he, you know, like any coach, obviously, you change a little bit over time. So I think early on, he was probably even harder than usual. Um, but I think, you know, I think the guys you really hear some vitriolic type things, I think he probably missed on, right? And I think he didn't judge his person the right way. He probably pressed the wrong buttons. And there's some hard feelings there. And, and that happens. And, and I don't discount that either, right? Like, I totally saw that. I saw him miss on some guys in the locker room, too, that like I saw. And I was like... That's yeah. not the way you approach that guy, right? And it was just, but that was Alex, and he was kind of unapologetic about it, and it is what it is. Well, that's where, you know, and I'm glad you said that about yelling at the quarterback for not carrying out the fake hard enough because I, I, that's one of the first things I look for to see if an offensive coordinator sure. really pays attention to detail because right. you'll watch, especially now that there's so much read option and RPOs that you'll watch, and you can see within the first series, oh, okay, this defensive end knows exactly when yeah. it's a run or when yeah. the quarterback's keeping it because the guys yeah. like I don't even look for the actual tells or anything. Yeah. You just on the know. bootleg, on the bootleg, does the backside tackle take a angle that kind of slightly goes upfield and then goes vertical and then goes horizontal, or does he just turn and run left? Yeah, because that's the difference between getting that backside defensive end to crash down, right? You've seen it. Like, yeah. Hey, get skinny off the backside tackles, right? The defensive end get skinny. Well, if you see his numbers. He's not going to cut anybody off, get upfield, right? Yeah. And that was the detail also that Alex would coach. It wasn't a technical detail in the hands, but it was a very technical detail is you've got to show the linebackers X. You've got to be able to show their numbers and then get left, right? Whatever it was. And he was an out-of-the-box thinker. He really was. Like, and so, um, but you're right. It, nobody was safe. And it was, uh, it was <laughs> I look back and just kind of laugh at some of the stuff that went on. Oh, I, I lied to you. I said I'd have you out of here 15 minutes ago. It's good to see you uh, get to have your personality back now. So congratulations <laughs> on a long career and a uh, successful CBA, buddy. Have a good flag football game. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Say hi to Jenny, man. Yeah, well there. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.